It all hangs on this. Maybe it's because the through line of 2020 seems to be how precarious life is. But these words grabbed my mind and my heart as I walked with our gospel passage this week. It all hangs on this. Love God and love your neighbor. There are few verses more frequently quoted than these in this passage. And with good reason, Jesus is teaching that they are the be-all and end-all of the commandments. This is it, folks. And he's not coming up with this on his own. At the outset, he is teaching in lockstep with the heart of Judaism. His response is entirely orthodox, rooted in the tradition in which he was raised and through which he continues to lead. The first commandment he offers is a direct quote from Deuteronomy. All his questioners and everyone listening around the periphery would have known this line. They wouldn't just recognize it, though. I imagine they might find their lips moving, compelled to join the great teacher in speaking this continuation of the Shema, as it's called in Hebrew. It's the acclamation of our one God that they would have prayed morning and night all their days. Jesus starts there. He follows it up then with another quote, this one from Leviticus, highlighting the centrality of loving one's neighbor. And then he adds to them both, appearing to annotate them on the fly. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, he explains. It all hangs on this. I've never really considered that addition, not fully, not with the imagery it calls to mind. I've heard it, I've taken it to mean that all the rest depends on these first two guideposts of loving God and loving our neighbors. But this week it felt like, felt like I could see the teaching that Jesus was calling into being. So often the metaphors that we receive focus on what is beneath us, on constructing a bedrock foundation instead of one of sand, on Jesus as our cornerstone, the basis on which all that is solid and trustworthy can be built. Even coming at it from a psychological angle, we can look to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, reminding ourselves that the basic needs of, of food and shelter and safety, those form the bottom of the pyramid, necessary to support all the rest above. But here, as Jesus paints the picture that all the rest is hanging, with beauty and dependence and grace, with risk and intimate connection, all the rest of our lives hangs on these two pillars of loving God and loving our neighbor. The law and the prophets, which is to say the way we order our life and community towards the good, 
The way we practice this ancient way of faith, the way we receive vision from those who have drawn especially close to God. This is the law and the prophets. And this truth and hope and possibility, it all hangs on love. I've wrestled with this image all week, training my mind on that which hangs. A rock climber suspended by a rope and harness or or even just from calloused fingertips. Ripe fruit dangling from stems on a full tree waiting to be picked, hopefully before it falls and bruises. A sturdy old suspension bridge crossing a chasm connecting land which would otherwise be all but impassable. Foundations are good and necessary, but the image Jesus invites us into here is a total inversion of that classic take. Through our body, our quickened breath, our speeding heartbeat, it puts us in mind of the peril woven into this way. None of this life of faith is a foregone conclusion. It is work. It is risk. It it brings questions and doubts and, and wrestling. And so we had better have something really sturdy to hang on to. This is where our modern riff on love can make for a real mess. When we talk about love in our culture, it's first usually about romantic love, and second, it's usually about falling into love, or maybe falling out of it. About a a love that happens to you, a feeling, an emotion over which we have little control. It's portrayed as something involving luck, or mysterious chemistry, or maybe magic, or just tripping in the right direction. Enter Arthur Aaron, an American psychologist. He wondered if it was possible to create a highly tailored scenario to make strangers become close. Or, more pointedly, he asked, what would it take to make them fall in love? He created experiments to this end and studied what it is that draws people together into deeper connection. While his method is in no way foolproof, we are far too complex for that, his results were fascinating. Aaron found that closeness could be cultivated between strangers by fostering what he described as, and I quote, sustained escalating, reciprocal, personalistic self-disclosure. That's a fancy way of saying that he created these experiments where people were brought together to ask and answer a set of 36 questions. Questions which gradually became more and more personal and vulnerable. The experiment led the participants to both listen with rapt attention and also to share generously of themselves 
and to do both far more than we typically do with, with strangers or even friends. And to a large degree, it worked. One pair of uh, the participants in the study even invited the staff of the lab to their wedding. I find this study remarkable, not because it was all that clever, but because it flies in the face of how we typically talk of love of any kind, romantic or otherwise. So often it's simultaneously revered and diminished as something that happens to us or around us, rather than a way of life that we can pursue and practice with all people and with God. We need to rework our understanding of love and the way we live it out for precisely the reason that Jesus offers as he interprets this ancient wisdom. It all hangs on this. So very much is being asked of us right now in community, in friendships, in families, in work, and especially in this nation as a whole. So much is uncertain. Sometimes feels like the ground is shifting an awful lot beneath us and quickly. This is exactly why we need a firm grip on this love. This is why we hang on with all we have to this love that will hold us up and keep us safe, gather in the fruit of our labor and carry us forward. How then will we choose to live in love? How will we live it out? Welcoming this love when it shows up unexpectedly, yes, but not waiting for it to happen as if it's a feeling that can be carried in on the wind and just as soon yanked away when another front arrives. And maybe, maybe, Aaron, maybe Arthur Aaron is on to something here. Maybe the questions we ask one another, if they are brave and true, can lead us. Maybe the way we answer these searching questions that God poses to us, if we respond with our full selves openly against all the norms we have inherited, maybe that will pull us in closer to the holy also. The invitation, I think, is is for us to actively and tirelessly pursue this love to choose it again and again as a way of life, as the practice of our faith, and as that which supports every other pursuit worth our energy. This way is precarious. It is full of grace and it is risky. But friends, this love This love shared freely with God and with our neighbor, it all hangs on this.